0: Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as... The Ocho, Duro, Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. Get ready. Get ready. His name is Padawan Jay. Well, let me talk to you. Yeah, and boy, do we have a lot to talk about this week. Oh, yeah, we do. The Entertainment Edition is going to be probably an extended one, it's to put lo- it mildly. It's loaded. It is loaded with content, so if you want to talk movies, TV, comics, more, we definitely are your stop for that. And after the show, Pat, where does everybody go to? odphpodcast.com. Right on. Swing on over there. Check out the social media links. That's where we like to keep the conversation going the most, adding a lot of followers each and every day, which we love seeing. Also, check out the T Public store link, which is the holiday season. No better time to go get some ODPH swag. Seriously, no better time. Also, the Patreon, which they have not one but two episodes this week Ooh. so one tier two dollars a month and you can find out what everybody is talking about on the Page society I'm just saying but out there it's so easy to do so easy to sign up and you get bonus content bam, on top of what we already do now it's crazy I know also at the website you can check out the blog section where we have reviews coming up all the time and a loaded one for new comic book day too this week just putting that out there also the classified section which has friends of the show such as 3FN Dragon Master Games Nerd Initiative. The list goes on and on. We're adding more and more each and every day. So that's the crazy thing that we always have our staples that we plug at the beginning of the show. But there is a lot of other great people and organizations that we plug on there, too. So definitely want to make sure you go through and swing that and check it out, especially what's going on with 3FN Podcast, too, doing big things right now. Also, the directory. Pat, how many priorities are we on? 115,000. Sounds about right to me. He is the statistician to the stars. I do not question him. Seriously, Pat says it. I just take it for what it is. Also, the music section where you can find out what is going on with Brian Wolf and the Howlers. A lot of good things going on with Brian right now. Yeah. Also, shout out the Robots and Tom Joler are playing a big show locally here in the 607, so if you got a chance to go, you can go uh, see them live, which is going to be an amazing night, just putting it out there. On top of Second Suitor, Floodlands, the list goes on and on. Basically, if there's anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. And always remember on social media to use the hashtag... ODPH pod. Kicking off this edition of the ODPH, we have to recap a movie that has generated some buzz. Mhm. Not necessarily all positive even though I've got feelings about it. Okay. But nevertheless, we have the latest entry into the Marvel Cinematic Universe at the box office this week and that is The Marvels directed by Nia Costa, Costa mm-hmm. starring Brie Larson as Carol Danvers, Tiana Paris as Monica Rambeau, and Aman Vellani as Kamala Khan, a.k.a. Miss Marvel, and the powers that are kind of leading into more and more than just a nuisance with what is going on to the bigger picture. So, Pat, I know you got some stats about this.
1: I do. So, uh, going from the folks over at Box Office Mojo, uh, obviously the Marvels was the number one movie at the box office this past weekend. Finishing with a gross uh, domestically of $46,110,859, beating out the likes of Five Nights at Freddy's, which was number two, Taylor Swift, The Eras Tour, uh, which was in third place, Priscilla, which was at number four, and then Killers of the Flower Moon, which was at number five. Uh, And then for overall numbers, uh, currently as we record domestically, the film is sitting at $48,483,234. Internationally, it has made $62,917,838 for a worldwide gross, currently, of $111,401,072. Now, if the domestic opening weekend does sound low, and I feel like we got to mention this, because
2: yeah, we'd, we
1: we'd be doing a disservice if we don't. That is incredibly low, all things considered. Uh, if Again, for the folks over, over at Box Office Mojo, they do list the films uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, in term and you can sort them by lifetime gross you know max theaters the opening numbers and then open through and the release date and everything else. I've got them open here, and obviously, the top of the list is Avengers Endgame, which had an opening weekend of $357,115,007. Uh, you go down to the middle of the pack where you've got Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is number 13 with $146,510,104. Uh, and then you jump down a little bit further uh, Captain America the Winter Soldier is 21 with $95,000,000. Uh, $23,721 for opening weekend. And uh, at the bottom of the list... Although technically not the bottom, there's a couple more, but the in terms of like the fresh releases mm-hmm. is the Marvels uh, at 33rd. The only things below it are Spider-Man No Way Home, the re-release, mm-hmm. Iron Man, the re-release in 2020, Guardians of the Galaxy, the uh, volume one, the re-release, re-release in 2020, Black Panther one, the re-release. And the thing that doesn't have any numbers and is at the bottom because it was only on uh, premium video on demand was Black Widow.
0: Mm-hmm. So... A lot to take into context here.
1: Yeah, uh, a couple more numbers here for you. Uh, over at the folks at Rotten Tomatoes, uh, for the critics, it currently has, uh, with a 302 reviews, 62%. Uh, but then the audience score is sitting at 84%. Uh, and then over on Letterboxd.com, with 91,000 people having uh, watched the movie, uh, you've got an average score of 2.9 out of 5. So, all
0: things considered, mm-hmm. it's still the number one movie at the box office. Yes. Was anything going to take it if it wasn't going to be there? No, because I think it was the
1: only thing. I'll have to double check. I think it was the only thing to open this past weekend. Right. So, unless there was, like, which you see occasionally every now and then, you know, something will go back, you know, something will drop out of first place, and, you know, but then a couple weeks later, it'll jump back into... Uh, first place you know so i mean we'll see you know i i don't think so let's see yeah uh, so the only things that opened this past weekend were was journey to bethlehem which opened uh, or came in at number seven with uh just about 2.5 million dollars tiger three uh which came in at number seven or eight excuse me with just under two million dollars and then It's a Wonderful Knife, whatever that is, which came in at number 14 with just under $600,000. So unless something would have happened with, like, if if there was, like, a sudden research to want to see Five Nights at Freddy's, which there clearly wasn't. It was a 52.6% drop-off from last mm-hmm. week, according to Box Office Mojo. Listen, Swifties are, are, are a special group and they can do some crazy stuff. But, you know, the the fever pitch is is dropping off with that movie, especially since she's on her overseas tour now. You know, that one dropped off 55 percent, you know, so I don't think anything else would have beaten this.
0: Well, that's the whole thing to take away is for all the doom and gloom that has been hovering around this movie. Mm hmm. It's really not as bad as people say. It's not the greatest movie of all time. No, but I'm saying for where there was a lot of social media nonsense, and I'm putting it mildly when I use that word nonsense, Mm -hmm. leading into this movie, and then some people celebrating its quote-unquote failure. Yeah. I think you have to look at the big picture here. Mm -hmm. No no pun intended. Mm Mm-hmm. It's still the number one movie at the box office. It still did a lot better on a lot of scorecards than many people had thought. Yeah. There is a certain contingent that unfortunately was trying to review Bomb it. Oh, yeah. And they failed. Oh, yeah. Because I think what happened here is coming into this movie, we didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. The trailer had kind of misled a little bit, but yeah. we're also in a new phase with Marvel that we have to realize not everything is leading to Avengers. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these characters are now going to get those standout moments and kind of see where they go from here. Captain Marvel is going to be a focal point of whatever is going to be the phase of the MCU moving forward. So they decided to also showcase Miss Marvel, who's going to play a bigger role in the MCU. And we'll get, uh-huh. we'll get into that as we do the movie breakdown uh-huh. and also Monica Rambeau, who is also now slated for a very big role in what is moving forward. Yeah. So overall, where we're going with this is not everything is as bad as it sounds. It's no. still made money. It's still got a lot of time left in the box office. Is it signing the end is near for the MCU? No, mm-hmm. by all means, the MCU will be fine. So will everybody here because we probably will get a third Captain Marvel movie in some capacity.
1: If not her own solo film, she'll show up and and have a prominent role in one of the other movies. Oh, absolutely. That's coming out, you know, in the next you know however many
0: years. Yeah. So for all the negativity that was surrounding this leading into the weekend, and right? Like I said the amount of nonsense and I stress, I'm putting it mildly. I'm trying to really contain my uh, anger.
1: No, I mean, the, the anger is deservedly. So just because let's, let's face it, we're not going to get too deep into it, but there is a certain contingent of fans and I'll use Thor as an example Mm -hmm. that see the various incarnations wield Mjolnir. Yep. You know, be it Beta Ray Bill, be it cap, be it, you know, anyone else who's ever, you know, wielded Mjolnir, and they sit there and they go, oh my God,
2: yeah!
1: And then you get folks, like the story with, with Jane Foster, and they go, you're trying to make this political. Mm. You're trying to do this. You're, boy, can you tell those folks haven't read the the DC-Marvel crossover they did? Yeah. Where where Wonder Woman wielded Mjolnir? Mm-hmm. Pretty sure if they read that, their heads would explode. Listen, we're not sitting here saying it's the greatest film of all time. We're not sitting here saying... You know, it's the greatest Marvel film of all time. It's enjoyable. It's it's a fun how long is the movie like? Maybe like an hour and a half? To, yeah, give take hour It's a short movie. Hour and a half, a to, hour, hour forty five, I'll have to look it up. But like it's a fun movie. You sit there, you you enjoy the, you know, there's not too much you if you haven't seen the Marvel movies in a while, you can kinda go into it cold and you'll be fine. Mm. My, I know uh, my fiance Liz Bailey, went to see it, and we had a couple other people in our group who hadn't, aren't exactly up to date on the Marvels movies. Mm. They went in and they enjoyed the hell out of it. You know, in I ter- uh, was looking up some movies. In terms of how it'll do continuing, I think it'll still do well. This interesting, this weekend though, it might take a little bit of a hit just because I'm looking in uh, on the release calendar on imdb.com. It's got a little bit of competition this weekend from a variety of genres. Uh, so releasing this weekend, you've got Trolls Band together
0: uh mm. from the from the folks over at uh whatever that's the one NSYNC is all about with that. that's the one NSYNC's yeah, okay. got the song
1: they got back together for you've got Thanksgiving uh coming out this oh, week oh the Eli Roth one yep with uh, Patrick Dempsey in it okay. and also the Hunger Games the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes is coming out this weekend so you've got the Hunger Games fans uh myself included who are planning on seeing that this weekend so I think it'll still do well this weekend but it's you're going to see a drop off in the in the you know percentage or whatever for the box office last week to this week and, and again this will be another week of all oh, the MCU's dead the, which has been interesting to read especially from the trades and it was a, it I was either Hollywood reporter or variety basically saying oh the you know the MCU's dead and they need to reassess and reboot and for, and Forbes came out and was like what are you talking about yeah <laughs> none of this is true so Unfortunately, I think for those of us who aren't doom and gloom and up here up in arms because oh they went political, you know, we're going to be forced to deal with this another week because you've got three stellar movies. Let's face it. I'm not a trolls fan, but hey, if you're going to take your kids to see it, more power to you. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not a horror movie fan, but hey, if you're going to see Thanksgiving, you're going to be you're you're excited to see it. Myself personally, I'm excited to see the Hunger Games movie just because, hey, it's another movie in that franchise and I love that franchise. You know, so it, it's going to drop from number one. There's going to be a drop off in the percentage of what it made last week to the, this next week. You know, and and we're going to have to endure another week of oh, the MCU's dead. Look at how big the drop off was. Okay, yes, there's going to be a drop off, but there's a reason for it.
0: Yeah, there's always a reason for it. But it, it, before we get into the deep dive of the review, mm-hmm. this is something that just needs to get addressed. That all the negativity surrounding the lead in for this. Didn't hurt per se because it still made money. Yeah, it's still the number one movie at the box office. However, you want to decipher it up, it's still a success. It, but it's not going to be Endgame. I mean, let's no, face nothing it. Nothing. Well, we are in that transition era from Endgame, which was arguably the highest grossing movie of all time, or at least in comic form. There is no question about it. Mm-hmm. There's only going to be one movie ever made that will top that. Right, and that's Justice League Avengers. If they ever decided to do that, that would be the highest grossing comic book movie of all time. Mm -hmm. Nothing will touch that. Yeah. So anything else in this transition period, as long as it's not failing to hit number one at the box office when the box office is down,
1: let's face it. It's a win. Well, and let's face it. The box office in general this weekend, not this just this weekend, but this year is down in general because according to Statatissa.com, uh, did a quick Google search of the top 10 highest grossing movie weekends domestically this year. Uh, in order, they go Barbie, Super Mario Brothers movie, mm-hmm. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, Taylor Swift, The Eras Tour, The Little Mermaid, Barbie again. Uh, and then Super Mario Brothers movie again, and then Oppenheimer, and those movie totals in order that order are 162.02, 146.36, uh, 120.66, 118.41, 106.11, 97 even, 95.58, 93.01, 92.35, and 82.46, which is Oppenheimer.
0: Yeah. So,
1: listen, Oppenheimer made $82 million its opening weekend, and it is still the best movie I've seen this year.
0: And here's the thing, too, before we get into the review: how many of those movies were out during the strike? And the strike just wrapped up. Yeah. So you didn't have a traditional. Yeah. Uh, promotion period for it. Well, so, I mean,
1: at least one of those you don't need a promotion tour right. for Taylor Swift.
0: Well, that's the whole thing. She's a promotion tour unto herself. Exactly. Taylor's an anomaly here. So yeah. it's like yeah. So you can yeah. take her out of the equation. Yeah. But as far as box office business goes, stat quo... Yeah. Yeah, Marvels didn't have that, but it still made money. So guess what? The House of Mouse is fine. And so the MCU moving forward, and if they decide to make any changes, we'll cross that when we get to yeah. it. But in the meantime... We have a very enjoyable film that Pat and I want to talk about in spoilers. So if you're new to the show, first and foremost, thank you for checking us out. Drop us a review on your favorite podcatcher. It does help the algorithm of the show. What we like to do is give a spoiler-free statement, which we just gave, that we don't ruin anything for you, but we kind of give you the rough shot idea of what we thought of the movie. However, we are going to give you a countdown. And after said countdown, we deep dive into spoiler talk. We don't hold anything back. We keep it very open and on the table. So if you don't want to have anything ruined about the Marvels, Pad puts the liner notes uh, stamp in the show so thus you know when you read the liner notes when to duck out and when to come back in because that's what Pad does for you to make sure we don't ruin anything for you. But that all said, let us talk some Marvels in depth, Pad. So in three, two, one talk to me
1: like uh, like i said this movie was good you know i'm not saying it's awesome i'm not saying it's the best and i'm not saying it's it was good you know i enjoyed it i i came out of it having a good time and obviously that bonus scene i said to you was the greatest bonus scene in quite some time Mm -hmm. a lot of implications with that one you know i can see why some folks wouldn't like certain parts of it and we'll get into that but for me you know those those moments were a nice break and kind of the action and what was going on and it was a little bit of a moment for us the viewer to breathe and go okay let's take five minutes here collect ourselves you know get back together and then we can keep going you know but overall it was fun i thought everybody did good i thought you know obviously brie larson tayona paris Amon valani was awesome Milan, uh uh what was it her family in the movie was mm. was just top notch in this movie. They were obviously phenomenal in the in the TV show, but they were even more so in this show. Even Sam Jackson, Nick Fury was was his usual awesome self. He he was great in this movie. You know, I I thought it was good. You know, the uh, action sequences were were pretty good. Oh, absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, like I said, overall
0: it was it was fun. I enjoyed it. The thing about this movie is, if you're a fan of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One, yeah, this almost was mirroring a lot of the same things. It was almost like a little bit of fan fiction. A little bit, but you know what? Like I say, Nia DaCosta really came in, set a high-energy tone. It was fun. It was exciting. And it's not the greatest movie I've ever seen, but I was entertained, and I was honestly more impressed about this movie than I thought I was going to be. Because mm-hmm. honestly, I didn't know what to suspect right until we got here, because the only thing we've seen in the trailers is powers are failing for everybody. There's a lot of teleporting. Right. We go from here. Right. And I wasn't sure
1: what to expect with this just because I looked up the director on IMDb and, and going into this going, I right, I've never heard the name what she worked on. So maybe I have an idea. You know, she's best known for uh, being the writer on the 2021 adaptation of Candyman, mm-hmm. writer on the 2018 film Little Woods, and then was obviously a writer for this one. And then in terms of directing, uh, she directed this one. She also directed the 2021 Candyman movie. Uh, She did a short in 2020 uh, also titled Candyman, was a director on a TV series for two episodes called Top Boy, was a uh, director for a movie in 2018 called Little Woods, and then directed a short in 2013 called Night and Day. So I looked at this going, all right, I really haven't seen that much. I'm going in kind
0: of blind. Mm -hmm. But you know what? Very impressed with what we saw. Yeah. It definitely had a lot of great moments of action, especially how everybody works together Mm -hmm. because we haven't seen a lot of that in the MCU or even comics lately. Yeah. The whole shared powers idea. So it was kind of a cool concept to do. And then where we go with the bonus scene, that's going to be a whole different ball of wax (laughs) when we get there. Because the only thing is like where this movie starts off with, you have kind of a little flashback of what Carol Danvers has been up to. Because obviously with the events of her first movie. Mm -hmm. Taking place in the 90s. Yep. Yep. Destroying the supreme intelligence of the Cree nation mm-hmm. that has now caused a lot of bad things to happen on their home world of Hala.
1: Yeah, I mean, basically we had to fill in quickly, you know, 30 years worth of what had happened, you mm-hmm. know, because you know, she, the movie, her last movie took place in the 90s. She disappeared. For, she left Earth, disappeared for, you know. 20, 30 years, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then came back to earth and it's like, okay, well we know you went to take care of some business once you left Earth. what happened there. And like you said, she went and uh, destroyed the Supreme intelligence as she said she would, mm-hmm. you know, and then it basically killed the planet, you know, the, the Cree home world of uh, Hala, mm-hmm. you know, where basically it lost the atmosphere. So basically there was, there was no air for them to breathe. They had to wear, you know, these modified science fiction uh, breath masks. There was no water, and it was dark all the time because their sun had stopped spinning.
0: Yeah. It's an interesting setup to go here so you could understand why Darben mm-hmm. was as fired up about taking out Cap- Captain Marvel, who was called the Annihilator, mm-hmm. so much. And Zoe Ashton, I will say this. It's nothing against the actress. Mm-hmm. I just thought she was not well-written.
1: She did everything she could with this role, honestly, the character is very forgettable mm-hmm. just because I'll be honest, up until you read the name, I couldn't tell you what the fuck the the character's name was. yeah, I don't know if they ever say it and if they do, it's maybe once it's and, quick and it, it it's a forgettable moment, but they don't really there's not a lot of depth to the villain and and sometimes that's needed sometimes that's not. You know, in this instance, I don't think you needed a lot of depth. It would have helped, but it wasn't for the story they were telling. It wasn't necessarily needed. I mean, the story is she's on the planet. She's from Hala. Carol shows up or returns, I guess you could say, destroys the Supreme Intelligence and and basically signs the death warrant of her people.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I, I understand the frustration. I understand where she's coming from. You know, you don't need to give me this long entrenching. You know, backstory sob story of oh, you know, my parents were murdered when I was growing up, and I elected to never let that happen again, and yada yada yada. Like, okay, no, Carol showed up, destroyed you, basically signed a death warrant for your planet, and now you want revenge? I get it. Mm-hmm. Felt like they could have done a little bit more to flesh out the character and and do some stuff, but they chose not to, which is
0: fine. Well, like I said, this was very reminiscent of Guardians One. Yeah. That I thought with Ronan the accuser, yeah. they could have done a lot more. They didn't, in my opinion. And, yeah. and ironic that Darben gets Ronin's hammer. Yeah. Which was never really touched upon. No, she just has it. Why? Reasons. Reasons. But this the only time it's ever really used is to go get the other quantum band. Yeah. Which yeah. she tracks down, uh, albeit though she's looking for the pair. Mm-hmm. And when she activates it. Well, it causes like this time displacement mm-hmm. that is now affecting all of the powered superheroines that we're going to be talking mm-hmm. about, which is kind of an interesting point because they all wind up coming into the space that is caused by Darben.
1: Well, I think what happens is Carol's investigating this. mm mm-hmm. Because and and while they're doing this, a hole has opened because they've we find out that Sword and you know pr- uh, presumably presumably just Sword have harvested and, and used the same technology the guard we saw the Guardians of the Galaxy used to travel through space. It's the same setup. Mm-hmm. So, But there's an opening in one of these, whatever it's called, you know, the, the portals, I'll, I'll just say.
2: Yeah,
0: the anomalies.
1: You know, the portals, they open up to travel from point to point in space. And so there's a crew working on some stuff. Uh, Tayona Paris, uh, Monica Rambeau, goes to investigate it. And I think it's almost at the exact same point she goes to touch that that Carol goes to touch the one on the planet she's on in some other part of the Universe Fury's Center there. She's she's off to investigate it. Mm. They touch these at almost the exact same point. All the meanwhile, the band goes off at the same time, and I think that's where the, you know, the knot gets formed with all of the powers.
0: Right, because that's the moment we see in Miss Marvel where Kamala Khan goes through the closet door, and then in comes Brie Larson. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it does make sense because obviously everybody's tied together with their powers. Right. Because of this anomaly that has been created from you know, three sides of the same coin. Yeah, it's it's a crazy set of how they do it, but it works. So it's, yeah. it's it's nothing that really takes out. Yeah. So from that point on, we do get some hijinks, if you will. Yeah. Of just everybody getting displaced because you have Monica Rambeau who's out in space. She's trying to fix the uh, Saber Station. Mm-hmm. Gets kind of pulled away after she touches the anomaly, and when she comes back, she's Kamala Khan in the spacesuit. Yep. Meanwhile, you have Monica Rambeau go to the planet that Carol Danvers was on, mm-hmm. and she now gets caught up in the whole Cree uh, search party for the quantum bands. So that turns into a whole fiasco. Yep. Then Carol Danvers comes to Earth and meets Kamala's family, which is great. And, and it, they're
1: confused as all hell because here's this random person in their house, and they didn't see her come in.
0: Right. So there's a lot of this back and forth, which I didn't mind. It sets up what's going on. Yeah. So like I say, you have an idea that everything is coming together, which ultimately leads to a moment where Kamala comes back to Earth with the one and only Goose, Mm -hmm. who tips off a little bit of something that we see later in the film because we see on the Kree spaceship – Kamala is about ready to be getting attacked because mm-hmm. there was a fight been going on. Like I say, yep. there's a lot of moving parts here, but just to hit to the main points, Kamala shows up where Goose is because Goose is now traveling with Car- Carol Danvers.
1: Uh, he's her partner. He's her Robin.
0: Yep. And while she's getting attacked, he winds up eating the two Kree soldiers, mm-hmm. or so we think. Yeah. They wind up getting transported to Earth, yep. and when they get there, Goose spits them out. Yep. So, thus causing a fight on Earth where you're seeing a lot of back and forth with everybody involved. Mm-hmm. Because at this point, Monica Rambeau has now come down from space to Earth. Well,
1: she's, uh, she's on the uh, space elevator with Fury.
0: Yes. So, they wind up coming down and going right to the front door and tracking down Kamala Khan and trying to make some sense of everything. Yep. So, you are seeing a lot of back and forth until ultimately it turns into Carol Danvers confronting Monica Rambeau, mm-hmm. which has not been done since the end of the movie. Right. Of Captain
1: Marvel. Right. Uh, Cap- Carol left at the end of Captain Marvel one mm-hmm. and told Monica, I'll be right back. While well, flash forward to this point in time. They st- Even with Carol making a return back to the scene and being back in, you know, the, the solar system, she has still not spoken to Monica. The other thing too, is, uh, uh, Ms. Marvel's family ends up having to go with her because in the middle of this fight, their house gets destroyed. Mm. Oh, yeah. Top to bottom. So the family is now put in the line of danger with everything going on because they have to go with Fury up to space into the sword station.
0: Yeah, so this does make a lot of sense. And now the three are together and trying to figure out what's going on. And they do come to the conclusion that they're all entangled because of what Darben's been up to Mm -hmm. because now creating this anomaly, which they've all come into contact with, this is causing their powers to short out a little bit. It's causing a lot of chaos. They have to go confront the main source. Mm -hmm. However, during this where Darben is trying to establish herself as the new ruler of the Kree Mm -hmm. and her trying to justify her cause, they touch upon a theme that we did allude to last week. And that is the rivalry between the Krees and the Skrulls. Yep. And more or less, you do see the Darben is on the planet of Tarnax. Mm-hmm. And they've more or less said, well, we were going to give you your own home planet, but we now need it for the Kree, The atmosphere for the Kree.
1: They, they pulled the Darth Vader in Empire Strikes Back. They altered the deal.
0: Pray they don't alter it anymore. Mm-hmm. So at this situation, it now causes a lot of calamity. Yeah. To put it mildly. Yeah. And you're seeing that... The three Marvels have to go into action, even though Carol is telling Kamala, stay here with everybody, get on the ship, because if you short me out for my powers, everything is going to go completely chaotic.
1: Which, I mean, is great in thought, but then again, you're dealing with an entire planet getting ripped up.
0: Mm -hmm. So while this is happening, they try saving everybody they can. It does not work out. And this is a point to where I thought Kamala Khan really got an eye-opening vision of the world.
1: This is a a growing up point for her. Yeah, I I agree 100%.
0: Because she is trying to save everybody humanly possible. Because that's how it's worked in her stories. Mm -hmm. Although always her fan fiction that she's written. And Carol Danvers has to give her a very cold reality that in this line of work, you can't save everybody.
1: Mm -hmm. It, It works great and it sounds great when you're putting pen to paper or typing away at your keyboard and writing your own little fan fiction stories. It's not how it always works. No.
0: So you do have some great acting going on with the Valani confronting B, uh, Brie Larson. Like I said, they're back and forth about this and just how Carol Danvers doesn't want a team around her.
1: Right. And, it, and it's, also, it's also rough on Ms. Marvel because, let's face it, it's rough on Kamala because she idolizes Carol. Mm-hmm. We've, we've seen her bedroom. Carol saw her bedroom. Yeah. That there's posters and pictures and drawings and everywhere else. And 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 she's the golden statue in her life, you know, that is, you know, the one she she follows, the one she aspires to be. And then here's her hero, here's her role model, and it's not what
0: she expected. No, it's it's always a statement, never meet your your idols. Yeah. You know, because in, in this situation it's a cold truth because Kamala is such a positive hero mm-hmm. and wants to see the good in everybody. Yeah. And it doesn't happen this well, way. Well,
1: and, and And she's still a kid. I mean, she's still in high school. She still sees superheroing mm-hmm. as the stuff you hear about on television or read online. It's never the stuff behind the scenes of like, yeah, sure, the the uh avengers did end up stopping what happened the worst of happening in in sokovia mm-hmm. but look at what happened behind the headlines and, yeah. And yeah sure sure the avengers saved new york but how much damage did they do a couple billion dollars worth of damage like sure it's sexy and they saved the day but
0: there's more to it the whole story of baron zemo yeah. plays right into that yep. cold truth yep which is an interesting take i will say that but it works Yeah, no, it does. And in this situation too, this is like one of the stronger moments for Kamala, which I think leads into something later too. Mm -hmm. But we'll get to that when we get to that. Because now they start piecing together what is going on, and that is Darben is trying to save Hala Mm -hmm. by destroying some worlds along the way. Trying to save it one piece at a time. But she's also made this a personal attack on Carol Danvers and to people that she's been in contact with. Yeah. So the next one on the hit list, which is deciphered is You have air. Now you need water. Mm -hmm. And Carol Danvers immediately thinks of the planet Allendon. Aldana. Or Aldana, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. So they go to Aldana, and we find out that Carol is not exactly uh, flying under the radar, so to speak.
1: Well, and we find out she knows a striking bit of information about this place because... They use this tech, this Kree technology to figure out where she go, she's going because one of them saw a star chart or a star map of where they're going, and they use the technology to do it, to see it, which then, while they're using it, opens up a can of worms between Monica and Carol because some past memories from them, and, and specifically what Carol uh, – we find out Carol got to meet Monica's mother one last time before she passed. Mm-hmm. So that which which Monica did not know about, you know, so that's a whole can of worms. But so they they see the star chart and they're like, oh yeah, do you know do you know where that is? And she just rattles off the planet name, where it is what system it's in, and like I forget what it is, but like the percentage of water that is on the planet. And they both look at her and go, that is a shocking bit of information. You know, off the top of your head, how do you know that? And she's like, yeah, well, I've kind of been there before. Mm-hmm.
0: So as we find out, she is. Married uh, as a business arrangement. Air quotes married. Yep. To Prince Yan, Mm -hmm. who's played by Park Sinju. And this is an interesting point in the movie because I've heard a lot of feedback online of fans that did not like this scene. Sure. And the only thing I will strike this back to is this is nothing really new. Mm -hmm. This is an alien race yeah, this is how they communicate because what they do is they communicate through song and dance and dance. So when they're doing it via music, mm-hmm. it makes sense because it's cosmic. Yeah, this is you know meant to be a fun break in the drama that's going on. I had zero issue with this.
1: So the movie's about a hundred. Uh, the movie's one hundred and five minutes. Mm-hmm. This is what I would say, probably about the halfway point. Of the movie or close to the halfway point of the movie you know so at this point it's been outside of whatever like and not even a ton of interaction between kamala and her parents it's been just action-packed story-driven you know whatever else like all just like forward action go 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 with not a real break in let's stop and breathe and let things mm-hmm. play out so to me, is it the best? Scene? No. Did I enjoy it on a certain level? Yeah, it, w- it was fun. It was something different. We we've never seen you know the MCU do a, a whole song and dance number. You yeah. know, we've we've seen them play music and they've danced around with like Guardians of the Galaxy, but like a full blown Broadway production style thing. Now, obviously, the Hawkeye or the uh, yeah the Hawkeye thing. But, you know, that was yeah, that, the Rogers, the musical Rogers, the musical. That was like a, a Broadway play. But like to see something like out of a musical movie like Grease or Sound of Music or what have you break out into song spontaneously. We never saw that. So I'm like, oh, this is something different. I'm OK with this.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I had zero issue with this, especially yeah. this does tie back to. Captain Marvel in the comics.
1: This this was also hysterical because they show up, and at first, Monica and Kamala are like, what the fuck is going on? Mm -hmm. But by the end of this big song and dance, they're both dancing and having a good time.
0: Yeah. So it's a fun moment in the movie. And like I say, if you read the comics, you had an idea about this anyway. So proving once again, read comics before you go to the movies. Just put it out there. But it is a fun moment to kind of break up the tension, which is coming because... Unfortunately, Darben is on the way to Eldon. And when she gets there, we have another crazy fight that goes down. Yep. But the Marvels are holding their own. They did some training on the way to the planet. Mm -hmm. And I will say, this is one thing I liked. You saw between the three main characters, everybody's using their powers together. Yep. And you're seeing the growth of just how they're acting as a team. And I love this aspect of it. The double dutch uh, bit was fun. Yeah. I, I enjoyed that. Well, it's just building that team camaraderie and especially how it plays out because I know Kamala Khan has definitely excelled in her fighting uh-huh. throughout this entire film, which, yep. I mean, this has just been training, but if you're learning under Carol Danvers, who knows what she's doing, and Monica Rambeau too, you're going to have that growth. So, mm-hmm. like I said, I didn't have any real issue with this. But it was an interesting play, though, because we do know after Darben is dealing with Aldana. Mm-hmm. Everything shifts to earth.
1: Well, she figures out. Well, it, it's at this point, Carol figures out she's going after people she knows mm-hmm. because the one on uh, what was it Tarnax. She was trying to help those folks out. You know, and then obviously Aldana, she's quote unquote air quotes married to the guy. Mm-hmm. And that's when she figures out. Oh, my God. She's going after people I know and people close to me. And the only thing
0: left is earth. Yeah. Because now Darben has taken some water from the planet. Like, doesn't completely destroy it a la Galactus. Right. But it has enough that Hala is now getting repaired. And obviously taking the sun from Earth would kill Earth. And in
1: in between Tarnax and Aldana, uh, Darben did return to Hala and basically gave this rousing speech of like, yo, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but she's like, hey, we don't like Captain Marvel. She's the annihilator. Look at what she did. I'm trying to help the planet. I'm trying to save us because when she returns, the air has been put back. So she like tells everybody, oh, no, she shows like, oh, no, take your mask off. It's perfectly fine. And they're like, oh, oh, my gosh, you you brought the atmosphere back. Mm. And she has this rousing speech of like, hey, you hate Captain Marvel. I hate Captain Marvel. She didn't do anything to help us. I'm helping the planet. I'm trying to save you all. You should all follow me and get behind me. And everyone goes, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It's not exactly uh Independence Day speech, but it's no. but it's close. Yeah. It's it's close. Like I say, I understand where they're going with it. I just thought the writing didn't click here for the yeah. for the character. But it, it, it was
1: essentially Captain Marvel bad.
0: Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. Follow me. Yeah. So like I say, there could have been more depth and substance added to there. Yeah. That's that's kind of one of my biggest drawbacks of the film. Yeah. But as we know after dealing with Aldana, the plan is to come to Earth. The Marvels have to evacuate Sabre the space station. Right. In arguably one of the most hilarious yet creative ways possible. Good lord. Because on the ship we have more flurkins.
1: Well, so it's kind of like this ongoing uh mystery for a little part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's when the uh Kamala's family first shows up on the on the space station and they're walking through because Goose is still at the plank. Goose doesn't go with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't go with the Marvels. Goose is on the space station. So when the family shows up, um, at that point they discover some of the folks working on sword discover this egg looking thing that's in, in the workings of part of the space station and they're like what the heck is this thing and even fury doesn't know what it is nobody on the station knows what it is and they're like analyzing the thing and they're like we got to figure out what this is because this could be potentially catastrophic and then come to find out and here i am thinking like are we about to have like an aliens t- type moment here? i
0: I legit thought we were gonna have the brood Ooh, i legit Ooh. thought we were having the brood which okay. I would have marked out okay. insanely in the theater for.
1: So I'm I'm like, are we about to have an, you know a face hugger alien type moment here? Are we about to get real crazy with this? But then no, it's not. Well, it's kind of a face hugger. Uh, we find out that uh, uh, Flurkins reproduce asexually. Yep. Because Goose laid eggs, a lot of them. A lot. A lot of them. A couple hundred.
0: So the creative way they evacuate Saber before. Darben gets there
1: because the th- something I forget what it is. Something happens to the station where only a certain and it's a small number of the escape pods can launch. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, you, there's there's like a couple hundred people still left on the station. There's only X number of pods and you can only put five people in each pod. So the math ain't working.
0: Right. They come up with the conclusion before Darben's forces take it over mm-hmm. is they evacuate the spaceship <laughs> by having the Flurkins eat everybody to transport them to Earth. Uh,
1: yeah, so evacuation via
0: Flurkin. Yep, to the sounds of cats, the <laughs> musical. Yeah, which was hilarious. I was dying. I mean, but it was it was a fun moment, and that's where I say if you're a fan of the stuff they did in Guardians, yeah, you will like this movie. Yeah, and if you say you didn't like this, then you didn't like Guardians. Yeah. Case in point. Yeah. So we do see everybody finally get evacuated from the space station, and we get to the final battle here, mm-hmm. which is the Marvels are now confronting Darben with the wristbands that Darben has taken, because remember, she stole Kamala's. Mm-hmm. So now there's that hole in space that they have now literally tore into the multiverse.
1: She's ripped open a hole in space and time.
0: Yeah, which I will say, the final battle here... I thought was kind of a letdown. Mm -hmm. It just... I hate saying this about Marvel, but this is kind of a drawback always when they... They like to kill off their villains. (laughs) They like to kill off their villains, but they also like... For the amount of time you want to get invested in one... They always kind of just fumbled the ending.
1: I, I see. I agree with you. Probably like 85, 90% of the time, there are certain villains. Like, oh, why'd you kill that one off? This one, though, I'm okay with. I'm okay with this I'm one. I'm okay with. The, I mean, the, the final battle was simple, there was nothing really earth shattering to it, you know? I, I will say they, they did a great job at masking what was really going on because up to that point, we had only seen, we see the terror and they'd say, oh, they tore a hole in space and time. The only other time we saw this, they started bouncing uh, locations between the three marvels. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, it's probably just another part of the universe. Yeah. But yeah, no, I agree with you. The, the final battle was simple. There was nothing really to it. But then again, this had been the stat M.O. to this point for the writing of this villain. Yeah, it's no, completely. Nothing, nothing super
0: serious. Right. We didn't need to see her come back. I was just disappointed that for the amount of hype that you made this character into, it just fell flat. Like, this was a Darth Maul moment.
1: I mean, the the, the easiest thing I, I'm thinking of in terms of this villain and just, like, how little lackluster is was Mickey Rourke and Iron Man 2. Yeah. That, and, and Whiplash. Yeah. Like, not a whole lot to him. Not a whole lot going. Just kind of like, oh, yeah, you're pissed off at the main guy because reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, and and you're gonna try and do something to it. That's that's kind of the the vibe I got
0: off. Yeah, of. because Darben ultimately gets the all the um, quantum bands. Yep, and tries using them and just doesn't can't handle the power because she doesn't have the the power in her,
1: which was warned to her in like the first five minutes of the movie. Uh huh. Because when they first find the the other the band, first, the, the first, first band, and like the start of the movie. Whoever her like lieutenant is, or that's whatever her her side her side uh
0: her sidekick. we we'll just her say side, sidekick.
1: Sidekick tells her like, hey, like at some point along the movie, he goes, hey, like that's, it's great you want these two things, but like there are other ways to do it. If you use both of these at the same time, it will kill you. Yeah, and she's like, yeah, I don't care. I'm willing to make that sacrifice. Are you?
0: Yeah, like I say, she's so committed to her means, but it it never connects with that with the audience no like it's just a weird thing with like i say i just i think it's how the writing was done for that character but like i say when they get into that battle yeah she tries tearing through another way to steal the sun from earth Mm -hmm. and winds up tearing into the multiverse Mm -hmm. so at this stage you have to have a combined attack from all the marvels Mm -hmm. to shut it down yep so kamala has to get the bands back yep you have to have Carol Danvers powering Mona Rambeau to seal it shut.
1: Kamala does the same as well. It, it Basically, Monica figures out if they both, because they figure, oh, my powers will redirect it. If you both fire your powers into mine, I can then close the rift.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But the only downside, which comes to be, is they can't close it from inside. They have yeah. to close it from the outside of the, the other side. Yep. And this was a great scene between Paris and Larson. That they really mended the, mm-hmm. the wounds that had been building. They were so estranged. and you did find out through this entire time that, yeah, when Brie Larson's character was off planet, the blip happened, and what happened when yeah. Monica Rambeau came back from the blip, and yeah. and it's a very powerful scene to understand like the mind frame of what was going on with Monica Rambeau,
1: and then Carol just felt she couldn't live up to you know what was being asked of her. And, and being Captain Marvel and everything. And, and Monica goes, listen, I didn't need Captain Marvel. I needed Auntie Carol.
2: Yeah.
0: And it's it's a fantastic scene. Like I say, it really drives the connection home. and really it adds a lot to the characters because they had been rival, rivaling for so long mm-hmm. that you finally get that moment before it all kind of falls apart because Monica makes that sacrifice to shut down the portal. And Carol Danvers can't save her in time. Like she's trying to get out, but she, she goes as fast as she can. Right. But she can't go fast enough to save her. So mm-hmm. she does lose her in the portal. Yep. And then has to kind of sit there and figure out what happens.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But all the while, she doesn't take this loss and really kind of let it process at this moment. Right. Cause she immediately flies into Hala's son. Mm-hmm. So she,
1: she she goes well because uh, Kamala goes back to Earth or back to the yeah she's back on Earth. Family sees her. Oh my God, you're so happy, you're so happy. And Fury sees her. Goes, what happened? Mm-hmm. And and because because her family sees she's been crying, and uh, Kamala looks at Fury and she just just says all she can say, we lost Monica. Mm-hmm. And and he's broken hearted. He and then he goes, well, where's Carol? And she goes. She's going to. She's fulfilling a promise, which was a promise she made to Darbem because Monica comes up with. Because she's the scientist of the group, Monica comes up with. Hey, your your star's not dead. It's just spinning too slowly to produce any power. Carol can go up there and supply it with some power and get it jumpstart. Basically, jump starting the battery again, Mm -hmm. and and. Carol goes, I don't know if I can do that. She's like, listen, I've seen you and I both do a lot of things we didn't think we could do on this trip. You can do this. Mm-hmm. So the end battle results, and, and Carol goes to fulfill the promise because they promised to Darben, hey, give us the bands. We'll go to your star system, and we'll restart the planet, but then the double cross happens.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So to to fulfill the promise she made to everyone there, she goes back to Hala's system and goes to restart the plant, uh, the sun.
0: Yeah, which he winds up pulling off. Yeah. So Hala is now up and running. Yeah,
1: which which is a scary thought.
0: It's a scary thought for what's going to happen down the road, but in the meantime... Because
1: let's not forget, as was said in the movie, at one point, the Creed conquered 25% of the the universe.
0: Yep. So now We're not talking galaxy, we're talking universe. uh Uh-huh. So now we have a bigger problem to face down the road. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we do. Whenever we decide to get there. But as the movie wraps up. Hey, Silver Surfer, what you doing? We need you. Well, I'm just waiting for Galactus to show up there. Ah! you imagine that? Uh, this whole movie would be all for nothing. If yeah. Galactus just comes through and eats that and just keeps rolling. Yeah. But it just winds up heading back to Earth. Mm-hmm. And we do see that Kamala's family is now relocated to uh, Monica Rambeau's, uh house mm-hmm. in Louisiana mm-hmm. where she grew up with her mother. And you see a plane is sitting on the outside. Yep. And you have this very cool moment between Carol and uh, Kamala, Kamala, and just basically kind of saying like, you know, I want to go for a flight, and she's like, "We'll do it when Monica gets back," because mm-hmm. they're still going to find a way to go rescue her wherever she's at. Mm-hmm. And that's how it kind of ends for now.
1: Well, there is a one last scene before the
0: end of the end credits. Yeah, which. Really is something that we, about damn time? we've talked about for length now. If you haven't been
1: paying attention, you should be now.
0: Yeah, this was not that big of a shock. Albeit, though, it was shocking to see who was putting this together. Yeah. Because where we go to wrap things up is we head to New York City mm-hmm. and we see one Kate Bishop. Yep. Return. Haley Steinfeld playing the character. And returning from being out on assignment or Mm -hmm. crime fighting. And she walks into her apartment and sees that somebody (laughs) is sitting there, much like Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury, but this time it's not him. No. Who is it, Pat?
1: Kamala Khan. Yeah. And and she basically verbatim repeats what Nick Fury said to Tony Stark in Iron Man 1.
0: Yeah. So she is trying to put a team together, albeit, though, in her own way. Uh Uh-huh. And we already had Cassie Lang get mentioned, too. Yep. Ant-Man's daughter. Yep. So it sounds like... Young Avengers. We're finally getting Young Avengers with Kamala Khan leading the group. How are you feeling about that?
1: About damn time. You know, the pieces have been there for long enough. It's just a matter of they had to put them all together. I'm excited for it, though.
0: I'm very excited for this team. I'm curious to how they're going to do it, though. Sure. Because if we're, are we going to do movie or are we doing Disney Plus? I figure probably Disney Plus. I would imagine so, but it depends on how big they make the group. Um, I'm hoping Hulkling and Wiccan mm-hmm. show up very, very quickly along with Patriot. Uh, but I don't know how this lineup is going to do because you do have America Chavez is still there. Mm-hmm. And... Like it depends on how big they want to make this team, but right. and obviously, if you follow the original run of the comics, it would make sense to the current storyline. But I don't necessarily know if they're going to do that storyline, mm-hmm. so we'll have to wait and see. But the first three members officially announced, I'm excited to see where we go from here. But like we said, about damn time. Yeah, like they've been they've been
1: they've been teasing
0: this for long. enough. They've been teasing this team for a while now. And like I say, there's just only a couple other members that we're waiting to see. Um, So we're going to have to wait to see how the other films play out. Yeah. But not to be outdone. Boy, howdy. We get to the bonus scene. Uh Uh-huh. And this is where we find Monica Rambeau. She is now in what looks like a hospital room. Mm-hmm. Medical facility of some sort. Medical facility. And she wakes up and she sees who, Pad? What she thinks is her mother.
2: Yes. And
1: starts freaking the hell out. Understandably so. She left. Uh, she got blipped from Earth, came back. Mother was dead. So, you know, somebody who looks like your mother's in front of you, and you can get a little emotional.
0: Yeah, this was a wild scene to play out. Mm-hmm. But we do see Lashana Lynch reprising her role as Maria Rambeau. Or what we think is Maria Rambo, or but what we think is, but we quickly find out.
1: Oh, I'm sorry, I'm I'm not who you think I am.
0: Yeah, she
1: she's like, wait, what? why?
0: She stands up. She's in the costume of Binary, uh huh, which was an alias of Captain Marvel in the 70s, which is a whole different variant, if you will. Yep, and just before. We can come to terms with what we're seeing. Somebody walks by. Somebody walks by and you hear such a familiar voice. I will not lie. I jumped out of my damn chair. Uh, I did too. I think a lot of people did it at the theater. I yelled out,
1: oh, holy shit.
0: Yeah. Pat, who was that?
1: Kelsey Grammer as Hank McCoy. Yep. A.K.A. Beast. The real Beast. Uh-huh. The blue fur, everything. She's in the Fox universe and she's in xavier's mansion yep which where she is in time with the fox universe that's a whole other ball of wax exactly we'll figure that out later but for now monica is in the fox universe with the x-men mm-hmm. so. because, because he makes mention of professor xavier yep oh it's Bladen. so a version of professor x is alive whether it's whether it's the one from the original uh, trilogy or it's the one from the first class trilogy, we'll find out.
0: Yeah, we don't know. We, we just Whether w- it's somebody
1: entirely new, we'll find out.
0: That's the whole thing, that the ball game is now wide open, except I guess it's safe to say Kelsey Grammer is reprising his role as Hank McCoy.
1: Deservedly so. Oh, he, absolutely. He was phenomenal as, as Beast and for only one
0: goddamn movie. Give me Dark Beast, though. Yo, well, I am on my. Let's pe- set the X Men up first before we go there. No, no, just start it off. Just make them all the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants to start with, because I just want him to go complete sideshow Bob uh, monologue. Mm. Just because I mean his voice is just amazing, so I just want to see that. But that's how we wrap things up. So I mean, this movie was fun. Yeah. I think that's the, the biggest takeaway we can go with this. Pat, I mean, final thoughts on a grade on this film?
1: Uh, I would give it four out of five stars is, is what I gave it on Letterboxd. It's fun. You know, it's not the best movie of all time. You know, there are certainly some negatives to it. You know, just how shallow the villain was in this. Like I said, up until we read the name, I couldn't fucking tell you who the name of the villain was because mm-hmm. I don't remember them saying it in the movie. And just her motivation, while I understand it, was incredibly, like, narrow-sighted. You know, in, ter- in terms of like there wasn't a broad scope to it. It's just kind of like yeah, she's pissed off at what Captain Marvel did. Okay, you know, but in but in terms of the story, the story was good. I dug, you know, the, the interactions between everybody else. It was cool to see Monica get finally get to flex her powers. It was fun to get the WandaVision Vision uh, mention. They mm-hmm. didn't they didn't say it by name, but she mentioned how she got her powers because of a witch casting a spell over a town in in Pennsylvania. You know, so it was fun to get the mention of uh, WandaVision. You
0: know, but overall the movie was good. I enjoyed it. Movie was very, very fun. And like I said, if you like Guardians One, you have to like this movie. You can't say otherwise. And if you're going in with some other kind of preconceived notion, stop. Like if this movie isn't for you, that's fine. Yeah. But this movie is fun, and that's where they were going with it. You had such strong performances by Paris and Larson and Amon Velani. Everybody really brought their A-game for this. But I do agree with you. The villain writing was awful. Like I shouldn't say awful, but it wasn't... It, a, it could have been better. It could have been a lot better. And I think that really took away from the film because yes. there wasn't enough to get invested in. Yeah. And I understand it's it's tough to do with Captain Marvel because I honestly don't know a lot of rogues yeah. that are not involved with somebody else, like, right. that are strictly her rogues. Right. Albeit, though, I have to dive into more of the recent runs of Captain Marvel to kind of get an idea, but... Nevertheless, it was great to see the dynamic come back with Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury, who, I mean, being the side character there, he was having a lot more fun. Yeah. And that was something in the writing that I was... I almost want to say I was taken back by a little bit.
1: I know some people were confused about this too, just because of the way things went down in secret invasion. yeah, and then he was he was happy go-lucky, which we haven't gotten an official confirmation yet, but I know there's been some speculation online that this takes place before secret invasion.
0: yeah, it would well, it would have to. But then at the same point, if Carol Danvers is back, then where was she during secret invasion? Like I said it's it's a weird, if I can use the old school term no prize. This is what that is because it, it just depends on where this is all taking place. Mm-hmm. But I thought the writing of Fury was fun, but it threw me for a loop just because I we've just seen him in Secret Invasion, yeah, and he's very brooding and and you know grizzled from the stuff that he's gone through. Uh-huh. So it's it's kind of like a, a weird thing to say. But when you, like I say, when you're going through that stuff, it's like when Christopher Eggleston played uh, Doctor Who. Yes. And just how grizzled he was after the Time War. Yeah. It was like that's where Fury should have been, and he wasn't for this film. And that's what kind of really threw me for a loop. But it didn't take me out of it. I still think this is a highly enjoyable film. It's uh-huh. fun. And if you're looking for that kind of vibe of Guardians, this was great. I give it an 8 out of 10.
1: Yeah, no, like I said, I gave it a 4 out of 5 stars, you know. It's fun. It's enjoyable. Is it the greatest movie of all time? No. No. Is is it a, is it the worst movie of all time?
0: No. Absolutely not.
1: It, is it fun and, it, and it's a good watch for you know the hundred and five minutes? Yeah, absolutely. And, and goddamn the bonus scene. Holy
0: the shit. Bonus scene put it over the top. Yeah. That, that's what really. That, yeah. That gave it. That gave it such an emphasis that it needed to be seen. So if you haven't seen this movie yet, we gave you our predictions on it, or I mean our reviews on it, I should say, and our predictions of what's coming next. But we want to hear yours. So hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. What is your thoughts about The Marvels? Did you go watch it? And if so, did you love it? Did you hate it? And let's talk about it. So that being said, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be
3: right back. Do not adjust your dial or, well, your phone, your watch, or whatever the heck you're using to listen to the awesome podcast you're currently listening to. I am the Duke of Nerds, Tyler Mack. And I am here to tell you that being a nerd can be a bit overwhelming, especially after 30. Life moves pretty fast in our nerd culture, and if you don't take the time to notice things, you miss out. That's why I'm here. As your Duke of Nerds, I am charged with educating, enlightening, and entertaining you on all things nerdy. I do it by running the 30 to Nerdy podcast. 30 and Nerdy is a bad cast company production and currently playing wherever you cast your pod. Follow along each episode using the hashtag three zero and and pod, And check out what all is going on at 30andNerdyPodcast.com. Whether it's DC, Marvel, comics, or video games, I have got you covered. So tune in now. Cheers to you, nerds.
0: Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And we have finally arrived at the end, question mark, mm-hmm. for... Season two of Disney Plus and Marvel Studios smash hit Loki. Bah, 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 bah. Anyone else
1: got that stuck in their head, or is it just me?
0: No, I'm with you on this. the The f- closing episode had social media buzzing. Uh huh. Hey Marvel, thanks for the birthday gift. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> you got loaded up on your birthday pad between yeah, that and the Marvels. Yeah, I did. It's been a good week for you. Usually is with the with Marvel. Thank you. Well, they know you.
1: Yeah, they do. They—they're
0: <laughs> familiar. They—they're they're very familiar with us. <laughs> shout out to shout out to Marvel Entertainment. Yeah, but that being said, we have a lot to discuss in this finale. Yes, because, like we say, between this and the Marvels, like this was overtaking social media talk going into the weekend. This
1: needed a couple of rewinds to fully like understand what exactly was going on because they were throwing a lot at you.
0: Yeah, this we have discussed on for the past five episodes was going to have to really hit us with a lot to Uh catch up. Uh Uh-huh. Proving, once again, people listen to the show. Because they hit us with quite a lot to digest with this finale, and we have a lot to break down in this. So if you have not seen Season two's finale, Episode 6, entitled Glorious Purpose... We tell you to duck out right now because we are going to give you our spoiler free statement followed by the countdown. You know the drill by now. So, Pad, what do you think of the finale?
1: This was about as perfect an ending as I could have imagined. I don't know how you make this any better than it already is. There's not one thing I'm looking going, oh, you know what, if they would have done this or they would have done that differently, it might have improved. No, like for me, this is as close to perfect if it's not perfect already. As is, it was incredible. Everyone in the in the episode acted their tails off. You know, the, the music was incredible. The cinematography was incredible. And the implications of what it means going forward are nuts.
0: Yeah, they threw a lot in this finale. And it goes to a testament of the writing. And it goes to a testament of Tom Hiddleston as Loki. Yes. Sophie Martino as Sylvie obviously ki as OB, who has been the MVP of this entire – Breakout race. star. Yeah, the entire season. If an Oscar
1: winner can be a breakout star. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's going to get some kind of praise and awards. Uh, praise from the fans, yes. Awards, it's got to be happening one way or another. And Owen Wilson as Mobius. Wow. Because literally that is the reaction you had at the end of this uh, episode. They yeah. really made a statement with – what they've been trying to do here, mm-hmm. I'm very happily surprised because I honestly didn't think they were going to be able to pull it off. Neither did I. But they really put an exclamation point on this, and they followed it up with a question because there is a lot to guess where we're going from here. Oh, yeah, there is. So if you haven't seen this episode, we we give you both our highest possible recommendations for this. Mm-hmm. You're going to need to see it. You might need to watch it a second time. Yeah. There's a lot to dive into. So that being said, Pad three, two, one let's get into it.
1: This episode you know was was for me about as perfect as can be. I can't think of anything they did egregiously wrong that I'm going ah oh, that that really didn't stick with me that really didn't you know connect with me. I wish they would have done this differently. I wish they would have done that differently. Everything from start to finish was insane and there was multiple times where i'm sitting there like you know on the edge of my seat watching and then a piece of dialogue would get said or something would go on and i'd kind of sit back and go oh my god whoa, whoa wow this is this is nuts you know so cannot recommend this enough and, and cannot recommend the show enough because the journey to get to this point especially this season was interesting at points it was rough but it was worth it in the end
0: yeah no i agree with you we finally got the payoff we needed and then where we head from here, that's the big X factor looming overhead. Mm-hmm. No pun intended with a loom statement. Yeah. But in all honesty, this got to be a very, very interesting end game for this season. Mm-hmm. Because it's all centered around Loki being the anomaly in the time stream. And this is the first time pop culture has had a real deep dive into the multiverse. Mm -hmm. And it's due to his actions with Sylvie with killing he who remains at the end of season one. It unleashed Kang the Conqueror onto the masses, played by Jonathan Majors. And the ramifications have been huge. Mm -hmm. And this also factored into Loki, who has been a time-misplaced character because of the events of Endgame. You have to remember that. Yep, He was killed off in Infinity War. Yes. So the fact that he is technically... A dead man walking, Mm -hmm. we have to keep this into context because he's not technically around in any timeline. Right. So what they've been trying to do is since he's been misplaced in time, he's been trying to fix it. They know the temporal loom has been broken. Yeah. They've tried anything and everything to fix it, including going in a variant from... Kang's uh, time or you know uh, DNA, I should say, in yep. Victor Timely. Yep, you know somebody that has his genetic code to come in there and try helping them, and that's not worked out as well as they thought it was going to. And then even going into the last uh, episode too, we saw the truth behind the TVA, which has really been a farce the entire time. Mm-hmm. And Loki has now taken on this quest to redeem himself through his actions by being the one to save the day. Mm-hmm. He wants to rewrite the story much like Cody Rhodes. So now we jump into here where he is now figured out a way to time slip and he gets to moments before the temporal loom explodes and causes the end of time as we know it. Mm -hmm. And no matter what he's doing here, he's failing. Mm -hmm. So we have repeated attempts. This was much in the same vein as run, Lola, run.
1: Goes on for like a century or centuries. I forget what it is they said specifically, but I know century was mentioned. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: So he always is failing, no matter what he does, mm-hmm. and then he even jumps into a moment where he's trying to stop the everything that causes entirely, and that is the moment that Sylvie kills he who remains, another one of Kang's DNA variants. Yep, and. No matter what he's doing, Sylvie is not listening.
1: Yep, and he always dies.
0: Yeah, so it's it's like I said, it's a run low run moment. It's a Groundhog Day effect. Yeah, however you want to define it, he keeps reliving it. Yep, and they more or less get broken down. That the loom has always been somewhat of a protective energy mm-hmm. over the the timeline itself. Mm-hmm. So we we start getting this idea about what Loki is breaking down via he who remains because he remains just literally says he goes, Yeah, the loom is here because it watches over the timeline. It's a fail safe. It's a fail safe. So the fact that you've now tampered with this, yep. this is now on you.
1: Well and the other thing too he alludes to because you know Loki has been trying for you know a century, if not multiple centuries now, to come up with a way to save the loom. He finally, like you said, goes back to confront he who remains and Sylvie. And he brings this up at one point because he who remains is aware the entire time of what's going on. Oh, yeah. He knows that this is like not the first instance is going on. And he's like, oh, yeah. So how would this attempt work? What number are we on? You know, but he he brings up to Loki like, hey, listen, you can't fix the loom. Because basically, I forget what it is he says exactly, but he basically says that like you need to upscale the power or whatever it is that the loom can handle, but you can't upscale something that is constantly increasing mm-hmm. that like there's no saving the loom because the, the
0: timelines keep branching out
1: nonstop.
2: Yeah.
0: So he who remains offers him kind of like a Faustian deal, if you will, yeah, a
1: little bit of a potential out.
0: Yeah. Where he's like, well, you can stop this. You just have to kill Sylvie. Yeah. And Loki's like, nah. no, no, I'm not doing this. And no matter what he does, he goes yet again on a century-like run of yeah, trying to stop her. A couple
1: hundred times. Yeah.
0: Until finally he just sits with Mobius and tries approaching this from a different angle. Yep. And he even has to work with Sylvie and, and explain this too. That what has to happen is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And we have to really look at it from a different way. So, what it ultimately boils down to is Loki steps in for Victor Timely. Yep. And the moment where uh, Timely gets disintegrated, or what did they call it, spaghettified?
2: Yeah, that's
1: what people have been calling it.
0: Um, when he goes out to approach the loom, Loki is the one that has to go there instead. And Loki survives, but he destroys the loom in the process. hmm So, it's now rearranged about the timelines like it, it's weird how he's doing this yeah because it really is all falling back on him like he takes the weight of the world on his shoulders mm-hmm. and he is like now well if i have to take care of the loom i now need to be the replacement for it mm-hmm. he even touches upon uh, the original trope that he was running with at the beginning of the series like we have to remember he has always seen himself to be a god, a ruler, a, yep. a, a king, Yep. but he never knew his own kingdom until now Yep. because he has grown so attached to Mobius and Sylvie that he now has something to care about. So, Pad. that being said, before we get into what he does, mm-hmm. what is your reaction to this? Because I, I have some feelings about this. I thought it was crazy. I did not see it coming
1: that Loki would quasi-sacrifice himself. You know, I, ne- I never saw or thought of a possibility where he would go down this route, and I was shocked to see it.
0: Yeah, like, I, I was shocked to see it. I didn't like it. Okay. Just because, well, like, it, it goes against his character, but I understand what they're trying to do. And I have to remember this, and this is more like a me thing. Mm-hmm. Is he's ultimately somebody that is going to fail at this because his, his own personal ego, his own yeah. his, his own nature, yeah. You know, it's kind of like the you know the the story about the scorpion and the the turtle there. Oh yeah, the scorpion bites or stings yeah. him. Why? Because you're my nature. It's my nature. Yeah. You know, like I say, it's 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 just who he is. Yeah. Like that's where I think you have with Loki here. So it's interesting yeah. to see him set up like this. Yeah. Because what he does is he winds up going back to the center where the loom is destroyed mm-hmm. climbing up these stairs and yet he's forming into the loki we know with the horns bom, 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 bom. yeah the, shout
1: out to the composer holy shit
0: yeah like this scene is very very powerful as he's climbing and he's now going back to his his true form
1: uh Natalie Holt is the composer
0: yeah amazing job with this whole sequence cuz as he's climbing up and sits on his throne he now has to sit there and be the one Mm-hmm. To watch over the timelines, yeah. Uh-huh. So essentially, now he is the god of time, yeah. Uh-huh. Because
1: there's, there's a lot of speculation going on on what his uh, job title is now.
0: Yeah, but he's more or less sitting there watching the branches, holding them together, which I I don't know if he's going to be able to do right like, always.
1: Right. Well, and there's a little bit of Norse symbolism going on there that was alluded to in the credits from Thor one. Hmm. Uh, he So he's basically formed the timelines into, and I'm going to butcher this name, so I apologize, but the Yggdrasil tree, uh, which reading from the uh, Wikipedia page, it says, Yggdrasil is an immense and central sacred tree in Norse cosmology. Around it exists all else, including the nine worlds. Yggdrasil is attested in the Poetic Edda compiled in the 13th century from early traditional sources and in the Prose Edda compiled in the 13th century by Snorri Sturluson. In both sources, Yggdrasil is an immense ash tree that is central to the cosmos and considered very holy. The gods go to Yggdrasil daily to assemble at their traditional governing assemblies. The branches of Yggdrasil extend far into the heavens and the tree is supported by three roots that extend far away into other locations. One to the well, uh, Uronimbur in the heavens. One to the spring heaven, uh, H-V-E-R-G-E-L-M-I-R, and the other well to Misenbur. Uh Creatures live within Yggdrasil, including the dragon uh, Nyugur, N i o h uh, o g g r and an unnamed eagle and the stags Dane Dwalvin Junior uh, and Durafor. Uh, scholars generally consider uh, a couple names there. I'm going to butcher the shit out, so I won't even try to be the other names of the tree. The tree is an example of sacred trees and groves in Germanic paganism and mythology. And scholars in the field of Germanic philology uh, have long discussed its implications. So this is like the tree of all trees in North, Norse mythology.
0: See, I don't, I mean, maybe. Maybe they're using this as a loose branch, no pun intended. I don't
1: think it's meant to be directly that tree, but it's supposed to, It, it since he's tying everything together and he is a Norse god, it's it's just what he did.
0: Yeah, I just don't think he. I, I
1: don't think it's a direct, like, it is the Yggdrasil tree, but I think it's just meant to look like it.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. I think that for a lot of people, they thought he was becoming the tree. Nah,
1: yeah, see, I didn't
0: think that. I didn't think that at I all. Ju-
1: I just thought he had to grab the three things together. He had to make it look something, and you know, they tried the whole timeline thing. That wasn't quite working, so instead of it being the timeline like you're thinking of, it's now a tree. Where they don't trim the branches, they let them grow like a tree. Yeah.
0: It's an interesting setup how they do this, but yeah. it ultimately re- results into Loki being isolated by himself, Mm-hmm. and that he... To, to, like, a, a weird degree is, like, a booster gold, so to speak. Kind of. That, that he's not in the timeline, but Kinda. he's doing things behind She's the almost scenes. almost like the Watcher. Yeah, yeah, like, there there's an interesting setup, you can say, with Loki now. And mm-hmm. it, it's, it's something we'll have to watch as we move forward. But One could say he's burdened with glorious purpose. Glorious. I'll cue the music right now for Bobby Roode. So he now has his kingdom. Mm-hmm. He oversees time, so he is essentially but the But does God he
1: himself. have adrenaline in his soul?
0: Something, something. Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes. Not as of yet, but that'd be an amazing cameo for season three. Hey. So now the TBA has been restructured a little bit, mm-hmm. and now they're looking for the variants of He Who Remains.
1: Uh, they look for Kang variants. Yes, we get we get a little mention. Uh, they mentioned uh, that there was a variant that showed up, uh, and I forget what exactly they said. They didn't say directly on. 616. They said adjacent. I think they said adjacent. They
0: kept referring to adjacent.
1: Adjacent to 616, a.k.a. the quantum realm. So we get a little bit of a mess. So it looks like all of this was taking concurrently with Ant-Man and the Wasp's quantum mania, which is something I know I was wondering.
0: Yeah. Which, I mean, that does clear up a lot there. hmm So one variant has been stopped. Yeah. So we they are acknowledging Kang is lurking around here. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you have some restructuring at the TVA. Yeah. B15 is now one of their leaders. Makes sense. M- makes perfect sense. Had no issue with this. Uh-huh. I mean B15 has been such a great character through the entire series uh, Yeah. Woody we- Moscov. Uh has been crushing it in that role. So phenomenal stuff. Yeah. And now working with her is OB. Yeah. Who has rewritten the TVA handbook with Victor Timely as his co-author. Uh-huh. And then did probably something that will backfire him down the road. This is
1: going come- to they-, they even set this up. This is going to come back to bite him in the ass.
0: Yep. Who do they reactivate? Ms. Minutes. Yep.
1: And they bring up the fact that she's not going to like turn on us, is she? Yeah. And they don't answer. They simply shrug.
0: I understand what they're trying to go with this, but
1: this is going. This is. I'm setting it up. This is going to come back to bite them in the ass.
0: She is a time criminal. Uh huh. You, you a mass murderer. You can't. She's Carmen San Diego. Yeah. Without so, the
1: whole stealing stuff.
0: Yeah. So she. She's the mystique. Mm-hmm. Of the of, of the timeline cosmos, yeah. yeah. Just putting it out there,
1: like the, the the instant she showed up, I'm like, oh hell! But then she gave the whole like, oh, it's fresh off a you know reboot your computer or factory reset, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh okay. And then and then they brought up, oh, she's not going to come to turn on us, is she? And they're like, oh, I don't know. And I'm like, oh, that's that's not good. Yeah, like like if they'd have said, no, she's not going to do this. We put special. Uh, security blocks or program blocks in her that'll that'll prevent that from happening i'm like oh okay there's still a chance but it's not much but the fact that like that wasn't even brought up i'm like yep nope she's gonna turn
0: Mm -hmm. so we'll have to wait to see about that her partner in crime renslayer Mm -hmm. um awakens somewhere and encounters something bad well there well
1: before that there's also two timelies now yes because there's the timely in the tva there's also the timely in the sacred timeline in 1863, but he doesn't get the TVA handbook. Hmm. So that could play into
0: it That it? That'll play into something else. Yeah.
1: But no, yeah, then you mentioned Rensselaer.
0: Yeah, who awakens Warepad. She's in the void. Yeah. And what does she encounter? I've seen a lot of people speculate it's Alof. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure. That's the running theory, which I mean it it makes sense. But it's also, like, I don't, I'm not fully sold on it. Like, let me put it that way. But, uh, you know, it's something that the He Remains has used for weapons. Yeah. So it would make sense if they somehow get that into Kang's possession.
1: I know the other speculation is she ran into either Aloth or I know uh, Nathaniel Richard's name is getting thrown around. Yeah. A.K.A. Ramatot. Which is one of the Kang variants we saw in Ant-Man and the Lost Quantum Mania.
0: Yeah, so it's interesting how they're going to play her storyline out. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm curious to not see. Not the last we've seen. No, I definitely do not think it's the last we've seen of Ravona Renslayer nope. and by any stretch of the imagination. Because as long as Kang is still involved. Ravona is going to be there, and, and takes two to tango. Exactly, and with Gugu Matha Roth, you know, in the, in that said role, yeah,
1: phenomenal job.
0: Yeah, we're we're definitely not seeing the last of her. Just in what capacity, I don't know, because yeah. we still have not a clear cut path to get to whatever the end game is going to be for Kang. Right, but with Ravona and Miss Minutes still there and still having their plots wide open, Let's
1: say the threads are still left off, floating in the wind.
0: Yes there's still time to come back and, and bring them into whatever yeah. is going to be the end game for Kang yeah. at this stage. Yeah. But we do end on a very strong character note, though. Yeah. Because we do see that Mobius is meeting with Sylvie mm-hmm. and watching his former self, Don, enjoy life with his children. Yep. And it's kind of a bittersweet moment because Sylvie is kind of sitting there going, you know, what are you going to do now?
1: Uh-huh, because he's, for all intents and purposes, retired.
0: Yeah, and he's just kind of basking and understanding that he's been happy. Yeah. And he's going to try forging his own path, it seems like. For now. For now, but I don't think that we've seen the end of this, and I don't think we've seen the end of the series. I think, I I, think we might have. Well, I think maybe in some capacity. Because
1: the whole show is titled Loki, mm-hmm. you know, and and for now... He is sitting on this throne in the middle of what was the loom. It, you know, it's it's in the middle of the time timeline, the multiverse, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. And he can't move. He can't get up. He can't leave because if he lets go of those threads, the the multiverse falls in on itself. Every everything because the thing you got to remember before he gathered them up, all the timelines were dying. Right there was there was nothing keeping him going. So the unless he comes up with something, which feel like it would cheapen it. You know, if you go from this with like, oh, him taking up the burden of holding on to the multiverse and keeping things going for like, you know, in in nine months to a year, whatever it is, just go, oh, hey, you know what? I figured out a way to to get up out of this. Like, you couldn't have figured that out while you were while you were there. Like, I think for now we've seen the end of it, but I don't think we've seen the end of Loki.
0: See, here's the thing. I think that they wind up coming back because I think Kang is the one who sends somebody in there to take it could be. and takes him out and he has to could fight be. his way back. See, that's how I think they set it up because they just have too many plot holes I
1: think still that, unanswered. I think that could happen potentially as a bonus scene to whatever movie precedes uh, the Avengers uh, Kang dynasty.
0: Well, like I say, th- we got a ways to go there, and wait, right, you know. Right. So, I mean, I think we'll. I think if anything, we're going to see something at Fantastic Four. Yeah, that could be. I think it, if anything,
1: it would arguably be then. Uh, based off the rumors of what Fantastic Four is going to entail, that would make sense.
0: Yeah. So we just have to wait and see how it plays out. But I mean, for ending this series on this note for now, strong ending, very strong ending, really left, uh, you know, a lot of emotions on the table there. And especially to see where things go from here. I mean, that's the whole thing. With with the god of time and his new stat quo. Yeah. It's a matter of time no pun intended till more heroes catch on what he's doing. Okay. And then you still have Loki lurking around.
1: We'll hopefully figure out what his official title is because I know there's some speculation. There's a couple. There's a couple titles I've seen thrown around that it eh, could be.
0: It could be, but like I say, we just have to wait to see how it all plays out. But I mean, Pat, final thoughts on the episode and season?
1: Fantastic episode, best episode of the season, and ended up saving the season for me. You know, I wouldn't, I wasn't going to say the season was a loss, but it would. It's definitely up, well, up until this point was you know skippable. Mm-hmm. You know, you could honestly wait until. You know, the season was over and really binge watch it and and do it all then. But this made it must-watch TV.
0: Yeah, no, this was definitely a strong ending. Solid season once yeah, once we yeah. got to the latter half. The first was,
1: season was better, but this this one was okay.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. The overall first season a lot better. But yeah, yeah. stronger finale, though. Way stronger oh, finale. Oh, yeah. One of the best ones they've done for Marvel television. Yes. No, no question about that. Yes. Not Agents of Shield season four, though, just pointing that out there. <laughs> but it's still very good to watch. And now we have a new god of time and where the timelines are going from here. Literally, is anybody's guess. I know there's been a lot of speculation yeah. about the future of Kang, but for yeah. where we are right now, Loki is overseeing everything, but the question is gonna be for how long? So that said, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag pod What is your thoughts of the season finale? of season two's Loki entitled Glorious Purpose ironically the name of season 1's premiere so does it all come full circle that's the question so hit us up let us know we're going to take a quick break we'll be right back
3: hey this is Scott Snyder and you better listen to the ODPH podcast or I'm coming for you and Batman is coming for you
0: Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got? Got
1: a couple things to talk about, the first of which is two bits of
0: breaking news. Breaking? That's unlike... I know. Uh, So reading
1: from the first one, which is on comicbook.com, we have a new casting for Superman Legacy. Oh, Uh, the upcoming James Gunn film, of course, being the first film in the DCU or whatever they're calling it these days, the James Gunn universe. Uh, So reading from the article, it says, quote, Superman Legacy has found its newest cast member. On Wednesday, a report confirmed that Maria Gabriela de Ferreira has joined the upcoming DC film in the role of Angela Spica slash the engineer. Let's go. The engineer is a member of DC's The Authority, which have already been confirmed to be getting their own film DC film as part of James Gunn and Peter Safran's DC Universe slate. In the comics, Angela is the second character to take on the mantle of the engineer and has uh, nanites built within her body. Uh, Ferrer's filmography includes Deadly Glass, The Exorcism of Gods, Animal Control, and The Moody's uh close quote so interesting casting i'm all fucking for it anything new with superman movie uh should be interesting
0: she was fantastic on deadly class yeah you took me a second to remember who she was yeah she's she'll be great in that role
1: and then the other bit of casting news it is it is rumored to be that pedro pascal is being eyed to play reed richards really this coming to us from the folks over at deadline the article reads quote after months of speculation over who might play reed richards aka mr fantastic in marvel studios fantastic four the wait may finally be over uh while a deal is far from done sources tell deadline that three-time emmy nominee pedro pascal is in talks to play the leader of the iconic superhero team Insiders add that scheduling is still being worked out, but multiple sources close to the negotiations are saying it's headed in the right direction for Pascal to do this and his other future projects. Pascal has a full dance card that includes Gladiator 2, which is expected to go into production before the end of the year, as well as his popular HBO series, The Last of Us, which is expected to shoot next year. Marvel had no comment. As for other members of the team, that that can now be worked out as well. Worked out as it was essential to figure out who would be playing Richards before they could go out with others' offers to others. The hope would be to shoot early next year, so expect this cast to fill out quickly with director Matt Shackman currently in pre-production at Pinewood Studios in England. Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige will produce. Close quote.
0: Wow. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, that's a huge win if they get him. That, I... (sighs) See, I didn't even think about him coming to the MCU with how busy he is. Uh-huh. Because this is going to be a time commitment like the Fantastic 4 is going to be all over the place for the MCU. So that's a huge get if that is true. He'll be great as Reed. Yeah. Like I'm not I'm not worried about that at all. Yeah. Dude,
1: dude's a busy dude these days. Wow. Dude's a busy dude these days. You got whatever they're going to do with Mandalorian. You got, yep. you got the Mandalorian movie. I was going to say
0: Mandalorian projects. Whatever. Projects.
1: You know, the Dave Filoni movie that's coming up, Last of Us Season 2, which they said this the, the next game, quote unquote, would go over the course of multiple seasons. Yeah. So he's got that to tie up with, plus Gladiator 2, plus now this. Dude's a busy dude these days.
0: Busy dude, but that is one heck of an addition to the MCU. I'm blown away by that right now. And we
1: got a couple of trailers for the folks over at Marvel today. Let's start with the good. (laughs) Okay. Let's start with the good. I like
0: good. I like good. We
1: got a trailer dropped for What what If Season 2, which is coming to us on December 22nd. Going to be nine episodes. And the nice thing, Marvel's given us a little bit of a gift. We're getting one a day for nine days oh that's cool yeah so they're not stretching it out over nine weeks So you're gonna get one on december 22nd 23rd 24th one on christmas day uh the 26th 27th 28th and 29th 28th and 29th and 30th and all that so uh gonna be awesome to see the trailer it looks awesome not a whole lot to figure out with other than hey the watcher says he doesn't normally do uh sequels but you know he's making an exception
0: yeah, I loved everything I saw with this. This mm-hmm. this is fun. I mean, it's what if, so y- you have to see where they kind of lean into time uh, timelines and such. But from what we saw, it looks good. I'm all in. Yeah, no, I'm I'm super all in for this.
1: Oh, and then we got to get to the bad.
2: <laughs>
1: Chew yeah. up that
0: 2000 soundtrack. Let's say where's Remy
1: Zero when we need him? Yep, we got a trailer drop today from the folks over at. I'm not even gonna lay the blame on the on marvel for this one from the folks over at sony Mm -hmm. the the trailer's on the marvel entertainment youtube page but sony's putting this hot piece of garbage out uh and that is the upcoming movie title entitled madam web uh which is coming out lord knows when i i I don't plan on seeing this movie because this movie i'll admit i knew this was a thing i was gonna wait and give it my judgment until i saw the trailer i seen the trailer
0: Uh, i'm not a fan See, here's the thing with it. I mean, Dakota Johnson's playing the title character. It's a younger version of the Marvel Comics Spider-Man mystic. Yeah. I mean, mean, that's kind of the easy way to describe it. Madam Webb is is going to be interesting to see how they try doing on film, but from seeing the trailer, this straight up looked like Morbius Part Two. This looked Ugh. like something CWS out of two thousands. Yeah, you know, like I say, you can cue up the Stabbing Westward, the the Remy Zero, like that yeah. kind of that kind of metal rock and roll. Yeah, plug it in here and it fits. Like it's 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 in the same vein. The issue I have with this, and I mean, I, I hit me up on the hashtag. I'm more than willing to discuss this. They've already dabbled in the multiple Mm Spider-Women throughout the timelines in this film. So you know it's going to deal with the multiverse, a la No Way Home. Yep. And and there are multiple Spider-Folks in this movie. Yeah, so that's the situation here that we've seen.
1: The Sills are out. It's not a spoiler. Spider-Woman's in this movie.
0: Yeah, there's multiple. Yeah. So it just depends on which versions they're doing. That we've seen around uh, Dakota Johnson's character. Yeah. So, I, like I say, the minute I saw the Julia Carpenter character, I was like, okay. And then, um, oh, oh, I'm blanking on on the other one. Yeah. Uh, you know what? But on in all honesty, like, there's a lot of the the familiar faces from the MCU.
1: They also give away practically the entire plot of this movie. Yeah, the, the trailer. Comics.
0: Yeah, the comics. So, like I say. From the comics universe, there's a lot of variations of Spider Woman that are in here, tying in with Madame Web. I'm not sure where they're going with it, but I just know it's going to be time travel multiverse. I'm not liking what I'm seeing thus far. Listen,
1: it's Sony Sinister Six in some capacity. Yeah, like
0: that's why I say it's it's got they, that kind they, of vibe. They've,
1: they've had an urge to do Sinister Six now for like two decades. Yeah, is what it is. Uh, and then our last bit of Marvel news: uh, it was announced today that uh, Dustin. Daniel Cretton who of course directed Shang-Chi uh the Shang-Chi film was scheduled uh, to direct the upcoming Avengers movie that being Kang Dynasty but it is reporting being reported by the folks at Variety that that is no longer the case uh, so reading from the article on Variety.com it reads quote, Director Dan- Destin Daniel Cretton has departed Avengers Kang Dynasty, an upcoming superhero adventure in the Marvel Cinematic Universe mm-hmm. Kang Dynasty which is positioned as the Avengers Infinity War of this current MCU era isn't scheduled to open until May 1st, 2026 it will be su- succeeded by Avengers secret wars a year later on may 7th 2027 which will tie together the sixth phase of the long-running franchise Unlike the two-part saga of Infinity War and Endgame, which were filmed and directed back-to-back by Anthony and Joe Russo, Cretton was only hired to direct the Kang Dynasty. There's no director on board yet for Secret Wars. Cretton isn't permanently parting ways with the MCU. He's still on board to direct the sequel to his 2021 blockbuster, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and he's currently working with Disney Plus on the Disney Plus series Wonder Man for Marvel Studios. Close quote.
0: Hmm interesting yeah but i mean at this stage there's a lot of moving parts that are happening there mm-hmm. and i had to you know I've, i that's I'm kind of waiting to see because i i've heard the rumor they're trying to sw- uh slide villains kang out dr doom in yeah
1: there's there's a lot of rumors going around
0: there's way too many rumors going on but you know that's where it's kind of haunting and i have to go back for a second because it's maddie franklin that's yeah. the spider woman i was trying to think of like i could see the character but i could not say who it was right but that's like i say it just goes back to how many. Uh, characters they're borrowing and adding in here on yeah. in the spider spider yeah. verse so uh
1: then we got to talk some netflix news because netflix had their geeked week uh thing go on last week and they had a whole bunch of stuff that got announced uh first of which was an anime series that i did not see coming but once they said it i'm like you know what i'm fucking in for this mm. uh it was announced that the folks over at production ig the anime studio are going to be working on a terminator anime
0: series I'm in.
1: Uh, yeah, so am I. Once you started doing the dun 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 dun, you had yep. you had me sold. Uh, so yeah, this one is coming from Skydance Production, IG, and Mattson and Tomlin. Uh, it's coming. No release date yet. Only said is coming soon. Really, not even a whole lot shown. Just like a little bit of text, like oh, about 1997. And if you're familiar with the Terminator franchise, you know what happened in 1997. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what route they go with this. Um, I'm all for more Terminator stuff. Terminator is a great franchise.
0: I I'm all in. Yeah. I'm all in. I don't don't need that much with involving terminator mm-hmm. I'm, I'm all in
1: uh next up was we finally got a, a release uh for first release trailer for the upcoming avatar the last airbender live action series uh this being an adaptation of the seminal and very popular uh animated series of the same name that came out in nickelodeon in the early 2000s of which i am a fan i was skeptical about this just because fuck you m night Shyamalan. yeah If you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, go watch the first season of Avatar The Last Airbender, which you can find. I believe it's on Netflix. It's also on Paramount Plus. Then if you can find it streaming anywhere, uh, because I'm not recommending you spend any money renting this movie, go watch the M. Night Shyamalan movie The Last Airbender. Mm -hmm. It is a hot piece of fucking garbage that they tried cramming. The first season of Avatar, I want to say, is like 22, 24 episodes. They tried cramming it into in like under two hours. It it's not good. It's awful. This though looks fucking phenomenal. Now I know the creators of Avatar were attached onto this and working with this for a time, but have now since left. Mm-hmm. But regardless, if you are a fan of Avatar the Last Airbender, this looks incredible. Just it's they use the music from the series, the costumes look the same, the characters look great, the set pieces look look amazing. Everything about this looks... Daniel Day Kim as Fire Lord Ozai. Holy shit, like, that looks awesome. Mm. Uh, cannot wait for this to come, and we don't have long to wait because uh, the first season is dropping on February 22nd. I'm super excited for this.
0: Yeah, I mean, this... Avatar has never really won me over, so I'm hoping to give this a shot and maybe turn into a fan. Uh, then we got to talk a uh, li- little bit more on Netflix news because uh, a series
1: that I have been waiting for season two of because the first season of this show came out on... Uh, what is it? came out on October 27th of 2020. And by the time this comes out, it will have been basically three and a half years mm-hmm. uh, is Blood of Zeus. Uh, so this was an animated uh, anime series. It was done by the same production studio that did uh, uh, Voltron, the Voltron series on Netflix set in Greek mythology, gr- set in like ancient Greece times. It involves the Greek gods, Zeus, you know, Hades and what, what, whatnot. Very violent, very gory. Great story. Uh, I admittedly have to do a rewatch because it's been basically three years since I saw season one uh, needed something to watch. Cause it was 2020 and there wasn't a whole lot getting released new in theaters uh, in 2020 as some of you may remember. So I, I saw this, I'm like, yeah, I'll give this a shot. Love season one. Cannot wait for this. Uh, Got to wait a little bit though, because that is coming out on May 15th.
0: Yeah. It looks very interesting.
1: Looks super good. Lastly, certainly not leastly from the things announced over at Netflix and geeked week did not see this coming. Uh, but coming out on December 14th, so that is literally under a month away, uh, is going to be at least a season of a live-action animation uh, adaptation of the legendary manga from uh, Shonen Jump, Yu Yu Hakusho, which if you aren't familiar with Yu Yu Hakusho, First of all, what the fuck is wrong with you? Mm. Uh, it was it had its original run from December third of nineteen ninety to July twenty fifth nineteen ninety four. There are nineteen volumes in the set. It also got an anime adaptation, uh, which was done by. It was directed by uh, Noriyuki Abe and co-produced by Fuji Television, uh, also uh, Yomiko Advertising and Studio Pierrot. Uh, the series consisted of one hundred and twelve episodes and aired on from October tenth nineteen ninety two to December seventeenth nineteen ninety Uh, on Fuji Television. Uh, There were also the episodes released on 23 video cassettes from Pony and Canyon from January 1st of 1995 to December 6th of 1995. Uh, There were also released on 28 DVD volumes. Uh, It also got... what is it? A dub English dub version from the folks over at Funimation, yeah. which I remember watching back in like the early Toonami days in like the late 90s, which is where I saw it. and was phenomenal show. I, I don't want to spoil anything about this, but go check out the trailer. I couldn't believe they were doing this because I'll be honest. It's a great show. I had not thought of Yu Yu Hakka show in probably like 15 or 20 years. So the, but it looks awesome. It, it looks visually stunning.
0: It looks very impressive.
1: You know, so I'm super excited to check this out. And like I said, coming out on December 14th. So definitely, that is one to check out uh, if you need something to watch.
0: Yeah, definitely caught my attention there. So yeah. I'm very excited to see it. So that being said, before we get into the comic shops, very quickly, spoiler-free, Invincible Talk. Yeah. Episode 2 came out. Yeah. Out of season 2. Pad, what's your thoughts on it? As good as season one or season
1: one, as good as episode one was season two was a bit of a step back. It honestly felt like filler. You know, it, it was okay. I I didn't hate watching it, but I kind of got to the end of it and went, well, that, that was the thing, you know, didn't really advance the plot. Any didn't really, it really didn't do anything for me. It was a little bit of a letdown.
0: Yeah, it was interesting. I will say that. Um, but I have to watch what I have to say with this. So, sure, sure. You know what? I'm just going to err on the side of caution after episode four comes out. So that is Pad's take on this. Okay, just just to make sure, because uh, with the deal with uh, we, I do have my review of season one or season two and the first uh, four episodes. Sure. Up, so I have to be careful what I say. So, like, I'm
1: not I'm not discouraging anyone from watching it. Like, if you're a fan of the show, definitely go watch it. But just like. In terms of where episode one went and just how things were set up and kind of the intrigue with that, it felt like they took a side trip and, and decided to go to like the convenience store to pick up some snacks.
2: Hmm.
0: Okay. So that being said, Invincible is on Fridays on Amazon Prime yeah. uh, via Amazon Studios Prime video. So definitely make sure to go check it out. Yeah. Before we hit to the comic shop, so there was some comic news that we've known about coming for a little while. Like we've had a feeling. Okay. So coming to us from the fine folks at Amazon, Ooh. quote, on December 4th, 2023, we'll be merging Comixology and Kindle applications on iOS, Android, and Fire OS. <sighs> Starting today, any books per- previously purchased on Comixology will be automatically visible in the, on your library and the Kindle app. The upgraded Kindle app experience is now available. However, you may continue reading your books in the Comixology app until December 4th, 2023. I know if you're
1: on uh, Amazon Fire Tablet, like I got one uh, a couple years ago. I hadn't used it in a while, so I went to use it the other month and updated the service. And that's already been a thing for a while. Yeah. Interesting.
0: We, we've been hearing uh, a the, lot the, of... The writing's been on the wall. A lot of allegedly's with yeah. that. So now that's officially going to be going down on December 4th. So if you are getting your stuff through Comixology, make sure to check that out um and focus on what you need to and we can go from there yeah. because it's new comic book day and we have a lot to discuss so pad what are you picking up at the shops uh all four
1: things i'm picking up this week are from the phone fine folks over at marvel first of which the immortal thor issue number four from al ewing uh the cover art is amazing uh it's alex ross so you cannot go wrong with right in the cover uh but this one reads summons of the all father on the dark side of the moon god faced goddess and that was only just the beginning of thor's trouble but as his many foes gathered to Destroy him. The Odinson had one final trick to play. This is the story of the immortal Thor and the summoning of the four. Mm. Uh, Should know the first letter of four is capitalized despite being in the middle of a sentence. Interesting. Mm, Probably means something. We'll see. Uh, And then also coming out this week, superior Spider-Man issue number one from Dan Slott. Mark Bagley is also the artist, Uh, a superior reckoning. Spider-Man faces a new villain from his superior past. As she fries New York with all the power of a living star, Doc Ock makes a life-changing discovery. Mark Bagley and Dan Slott continue their Spider-Man run with this 10th anniversary celebration of everything that made Spider-Man
0: superior. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Definitely need to take a read of that one.
1: Yeah. Uh, then from the folks over Marvel as well, Deadpool, Seven Slaughters, issue number one. Rob Liefeld's the uh, author and artist on this one. If I'm not mistaken, this is one of the Greg Capullo cover. Uh-huh. I believe so because it's got a Colin Colin Bunn. It's another one of the authors. Cody Ziegler's listed as one of the authors. So is Mark Guggenheim, Justina Ireland uh Gale Greg Capulo's on the cover art Greg Land is one of the artists Wilshe uh Portasio is an artist David Baldin uh is an artist and Philip Sevi Sevi is also one of the artists uh this one let's see if I can find how many pages this thing is doo, 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 doo. does not say hmm, interesting uh but it oh no there it is it's 70 pages long uh, going to run you a little expensive looks like it's going for about 10 bucks but it says 7 kills in 7 days welcome to a week in the life of Wade Wilson the best mercenary Marvel's ever had. Just ask him. From facing off with rival killers to top secret assassinations, Deadpool has a lot to do in the, this blood-soaked, oversized issue full of fan-favorite creators, past and future. Uh, so this one, of course, going to be... Fucking all sorts of nuts. You got Rob Liefeld back on Deadpool. It's going to be all sorts of crazy.
0: It's going to be a wild book to read. Uh Absolutely.
1: Uh, And then lastly, from the folks over at Marvel, Star Wars Dark Droids, issue number four from Charles Soule. Uh, This one reads, the Scourge is on the verge of his ultimate triumph. The Empire decrees, beware the droids. Horrible laboratories across the galaxy are focused on transporting his many minds from droids into organics. Un, but unbeknown to the Scourge, a final challenge to its total victory is building from an enemy it had believed it had defeated once and for all. So super interesting to see each course, Charles. So you cannot go wrong when he's writing Star Wars.
0: No, you can't. You absolutely cannot. Nope. So for my picks this week, I'm actually sticking around in the Star Wars universe. Hey, because there is a book out uh-huh. with one of the biggest creators in the game right now. Peach Momoko Mm. bringing her talents to Star Wars. hey yo, And Star Wars Visions, Peach Momoko number one. So this is an absolute breathtaking read. Uh, It's a very cool issue. If you're into Star Wars, you're going to definitely be all about this. I mean, it's the Visions brand that has been killing it on animated form, and now it's been making the transition over into comics, too. So I absolutely love this issue. I think it was it was a, just an experience, and like sometimes mm-hmm. when you have books like that, it'll definitely jump out at you for that. So I definitely loved everything about that. Yeah. Um, also coming out this week too from Marvel was Children of the Vault uh, number four, so it's the final issue of the limited series. Dennis Camp, who's I mean, has written some amazing things with uh, Bloodshot and mm-hmm. 20th Century Men. This book definitely lived up to the hype. I really enjoyed it. I like his writing a lot. So this was definitely something. I had my eyes out for, so definitely don't want to miss that at the comic shops this week. Going over to the distinguished competition, Outsiders number one. Hey. So Jackson Lansing, Colin Kelly, Robert Carey are bringing back one of the most classic teams in the DC universe. However, this is not the same team that you know about. If you know anything about this team pad, it was started out in the 1980s as an alternate to the Justice League. Batman put them together, and it was really. They were doing things on the outside of the law, so to speak. Okay. So this incarnation is a lot different. and But the only thing that's kind of familiar is there is a Batman tie, so to speak. Kate Kane and Luke Fox uh-huh. are members of this group. It's not a team. It's right, a group. Right, right. Uh, as you read, the story goes on. And this is going to be exploring a lot of different areas in the DCU. I thought issue number one was very, very good. Uh, so definitely interested to hear what the Odie Page Society has to think about that. Also, keeping it Batman in the DCU this week, Batman and Robin number three, Joshua Williamson, Simone de Mio. Oh, my God, this series is so good. Nice. One of my favorite series out right now, legitimately. If you want high action drama and you want just uh, the art is popping off the page. Mm-hmm. This is your book. I Three issues in, I'm telling you right now, if you're not reading Batman and Robin, you're literally failing right now. This is one of DC's best books. It's one of the best books out there, period, but it's one of DC's best books, bar none. And if you're looking for something for more from Joshua Williamson this week, stay tuned to the ODPH network. Hmm. Just putting that out there. So if, But if you're a Patreon, or if you're a Patreon, I should say, rather, You'll be hearing uh, sooner than later, so to speak, dot, dot, dot. But we have a lot uh, to keep an eye on with involving his writing uh, moving forward in the near future. Mm-hmm. Just kind of leave it at that. Over on Comixology Originals, Parliament of Rokes, number one, Abigail Harding, Richard Starkings. You might remember them from the Ask of Mercy series. Ah, uh, okay. So this is Harding's first writing uh, duties and also doing the artwork as well. Very cool gothic horror romance story happening here. Uh, Amazing read. Uh, Like I say, not really sure where we're going just yet, but this definitely has a buzz behind it. I can completely understand why after picking up the first issue. So if you're looking for something that's definitely going to stand out a bit on the shelves or uh, the digital shelves, I should say, this is going to be one to check out on Comixology Originals right now. Going over to Skybound Entertainment, one of my favorite imprints. They're back, Pad. Yeah. G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, num- number 301. Ah, shit. So this is something that if you're a longtime G.I. Joe reader, this is going to be right up your alley. Larry Hama, the legendary writer, is back. Nice. Chris Mooningham is on the art, and this is one hell of a return issue, just putting it out there right now. So for anybody that's looking for an intro to get into G.I. Joe, because obviously the Energon universe is blowing up right now, This is a perfect issue to come back in on. Um, And the cover by Andy Kuber is just freaking phenomenal too. So if you're looking to dive in, this is a perfect jump on point. They do a nice introduction piece uh, for the intros. Like I got one thing I always say with Valiant is Valiant always does like a who's who. So if you're a new reader, you can jump in. You don't need the whole background. Sure, sure. They do a version of that for this. Nice. And I love that. I love every... Very handy. Yeah, it's, it's a big deal. Like people don't think about that as much, but for me as a reader, I love seeing that because if I'm not sure about something, that's where I go to check out. Also, Arcade Kings number 5, too, is out from Skybound, concluding that series, and it's an amazing read if you haven't done that as well, too. And then also from Image Comics, but from one of the imprints is going to be having a monster 2024, Ghost Machine. Ah. Geiger, Ground Zero, number one, Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. So they're spotlighting the early days of of one of the unnamed universe's franchise characters of Geiger. I have I've read Geiger. The first volume is incredible. This is a very cool, I don't want to say a year one type thing. Sure. But it's a very cool introduction, and, and you get a great insight into the character, especially now leading into January, where we're going to have the big one-shot that's introducing everything going on with Ghost Machine. And I can't stress this enough. After coming back from New York Comic-Con, If you're not checking out Ghost Machine, you are seriously missing out because they have such a monster lineup of books coming out. It's going to be blowing you absolutely away. Trust me. And if you're looking for even more Ghost Machine content, make sure you're subscribed to the ODPH and Nerd Initiative.
1: Wank, wank, nudge, nudge.
0: I've been telling people on Patreon we are making some moves, and sure enough, we definitely are.
1: Money moves.
0: I wish. Well, I mean, never say never. Dot dot dot. We'll just kind of leave it at that. And taking a quick lap around the other publishers this week, Ministry of Compliance number one from IDW is one that is making a lot of buzz. Over on the Boom Studio sides, they've been um, putting out hit after hit after hit. And Lotus Land number one looks like it's going to be another one in that great lineage of books that Boom has been dropping all year. Like I say, they they, in my opinion, they don't miss. They're just giving you hit after hit after hit. So that's going to be one to keep an eye out for image comics. Deviant number one is James Tynan. That's kind of all you really need in your life. And it's him at Christmas time, Mm. right? Like I say, it's a perfect holiday gift. So definitely make sure you go check this book out. Also, we have so many from uh, image this week too. It's crazy. Uh, The call number four, that is definitely making some noise. Fish flies. That's a great horror series. Number three, I know, Pad, you won't pick it up, but it's a great read. Nope. Like I say, there's so much on the Marvel side of things, too. Cap Wolf and the Howling Commandos, number two. Mm. That came out in a big way on Candy Avengers, number four. Oh, my God. There's so many good books this week. And that's why you need to make sure you're following Page Podcast Parlay Points, either on odpagepodcast.com under the blog section, or Nerd Initiative, 9 a.m. every single Wednesday we go... Every hour on the hour, dropping new reviews so you know what to pick up at the comic shops each and every week. The bullpen is killing it right now. Absolutely killing it. And if you don't believe me, just go on social media and see the praises coming in because there is a lot of great things that have been swinging through that we are very, very excited to be a part of. So... That being said, nerdinitiative.com. If you need a link, you go to odphpodcast.com. It'll take you right there too. Like that's how easy we make it for you to find your comic book coverage. Because like we always say, especially this time of year, make sure to go out and support your LCS wherever you're at. Go into a comic shop, interact. If you need a great series to pick up, they have tons of recommendations. And just say you listen to it from the odph and you heard it on Nerd Initiative, we'll steer you in the right direction always. And you know, going into the holiday season, another reminder with this too: if you have a poll list. Make sure you pay it up in full. Don't leave it stranded for the holiday season. Make sure you get caught up on your pull list, people. That being said, for anything and everything that is, the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. That's it for this week. So for the one and only, peta 1J
1: I am burdened with
0: glorious purpose, and I shall see you all next week. <laughs> I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parley Hour. See you next time.